Welcome to the Lesbian Review Podcast. I'm Sheena and today I'm joined by the fabulous and wonderful and incredibly dynamic Claire Lydon, British author extraordinaire. Hello Sheena, it's lovely to be here and, and what a lovely intro. Hooray! I'm not sure how dynamic I am at nine o'clock in the morning but we'll, we'll, we'll give it a go. Today Claire has decided that she wants to talk about the 10 best debut novels in lesbic. Ooh, this apparently, I thought it was going to be easier than it actually was to put together this list because there are so many giants in the lesbic sphere. So I wanted to include at least one of them. But then there's also ones that just really touched me deeply or I thought were like really great first novels because a first novel is often your worst novel, I think. Oh, you see, I I, I don't know. I, a lot of people do say that, but I think that a first novel, it's got all those ideas that you've been storing up for years and years and years. And so um, it it can be brilliant as well, I think. So, uh, and, and and it's the one that you're you're the most scared about, but it's also the one you're most excited about. So, um, yeah, I think you can get some really fantastic stuff in a first novel. Um, and I'm always interested to read new writers because of that. Absolutely. And I think you completely hit the, the what is the saying? Nail on the head? Yes, that. <laughs> there was a nail. There was a head. <laughs> yeah. So when I was looking at authors and who did what as their first novels. I was actually surprised by how many of these novels I love. So, absolutely. All right. So, let me start then because I have an right. epic I have an epic first novel, right? All right. All right. Let's go. You go with your epicness. Yes. <laughs> so, the first one is London Calling by Claire Lydon. <laughs> oh my god, you did not tell me you were going to do this. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to read the synopsis. Okay. <laughs> I've got nothing to say about this one. <laughs> a breakup, a mix-up. Will there be a makeup? Jess Sharp's life hasn't exactly gone according to plan. She's 32, unemployed, and single after a devastating breakup. She's also left Australia for London to live in her parents' spare room. Her chaotic life seems to be spiralling until she meets someone who could be a game-changer. She's optimistic after a wildly successful first date. But far too much tequila and the ghosts of girlfriend's past may drag her far below her lowest point. Can she win the race for romance without tripping? London Calling is the first book in a series of lesbian romance novels. If you like punchy drama, wicked humour and charming British characters, then you'll love Claire Lydon's hilarious debut novel. I, did, I, tried, not, I tried not to cringe when you did that, but yeah, come on, go, go, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so this novel was one of the very first lesbic novels that my wife Tamara read and enjoyed which is saying something because she normally does not like lesbic because she doesn't want the entire novel to revolve around you know being lesbian she wants more than that in the novel so she wants great characters she wants interesting dialogue and so this really made an impression on her and so I think this is a fantastic debut novel and everybody should run out and go buy one Oh, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. No, that's that's very kind of you to say, and um and uh, <laughs> and you do include it in your list. Um, and I do know that. Um, I think, I think when I sent it into you guys to review at Lesbian Review, you, you I think Tamara read it, and you t- you did email me and tell me that that um it was one of the first ones that she'd ever enjoyed. So I was very honoured and thrilled that that was the case. And um, she's been a supporter, and you have ever since. So that's been really cool. She has read, I think, every single one of your books now. Hurrah for her. <laughs> Where's Tamara? Get Tamara on the podcast. <laughs> All right, so what's your first one? My first book is, um, and playing the role of herself, it's herself, right? I always get that mixed up. Herself, Myself by Kay Lane. I know this is going to be your uh, book club pick um, in October for the Lesbian Review. This book, for me, was the first book that, in lesbian romance, I think I, I hadn't read many books when I read this in lesbian romance when I read this one, and I was really, really immersed in the romance. So here's the blurb: Actress Cadence Harris is living her dreams after landing a role among the star-studded veteran cast of Ninth Precinct, a hot new police drama shot on location in glitzy LA. Her sometimes co-star Robin Ward is magnetic, glamorous, and devastatingly beautiful the quintessential A-list celebrity on the fast track to superstardom. When the two meet on the set of Ninth Precinct, Cade is instantly infatuated but settles for friendship, positive that Robin is both unavailable and uninterested. Soon, 
Cade sees that not all is as it appears. Can she take a chance and risk her heart when the outcome is so uncertain? The leading ladies and the supporting cast of this debut novel by newcomer K.E. Lane will charm you, entertain you, leave a smile on your face, eager for Miss Lane's next offering, <laughs> which is, um, which is, I'm not sure why they've left that in the blurb, eager for Miss Lane's next offering, which she's never given us. Um, so, yes. And I believe she's never planning on giving it to us either. No, it's one of the great tragedies of, of lesbian fiction that Kay Lane's never going to... Because this is one of those books that she did pour everything she had into. And I think somehow then she figured that she couldn't do another one. But 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 you can replenish the well, Kay, if you're listening. Come on, come on, get to it. Um, but I think this one started out as a Xena fanfic. I think that's right. And I'd never heard of fan fiction when I read this book. Um, I've still never read any fan fiction, so... This book actually introduced me to the concept of fan fiction because one of the bits in it is that um, Cadence and Robin are on this show and somebody's writing fan fiction about them being together. But like the blurb said, it is, it's, it's got Hollywood dazzle. It's got glamour. It's got two leads that you really invested in, which is very clever of her because I think it's written from the first person of Cadence. But you're really invested in all the characters, especially Robin, and you really want them to get together. And the story is uh, Robin and Cade. Robin is gay, but not out. And Cade has never had an experience with a woman. But if you're going to have an experience with a woman, Robin's the one to do it with, <laughs> by the sound of it, I'd say. What I really love about this book is the roller coaster that it takes the reader on. Because I think there are a lot of books that follow a formula. And, the f- and they follow a formula because the formula works. Uh, there's a, a romance formula. But this one is very... The ebb and flow in it um, is very different to a lot of books that you find. Um, and you're on the edge of the seat for most of it. You know, it's, and also um, they get together quite early on, probably about, I don't know, 40% or something like that. You can tell I'm a Kindle reader because I do it in percentages. But about 40% they get together and then they break up and then they get together and then they break up. And, then they, and there's, lots of, there's lots of breaking up and making up. Some might say that the plot is a little far-fetched at times and I would agree with that but then again it's dramatic there are some gorgeous moments in it and I do believe that Kay Lane did throw everything she's got into this book I love the bit where they go for a run and Cadence realizes that Robin's into her I love the bit where they come home after she's beaten up and um, that's not giving that much away and you know that she's recovering um there are just so many beautiful bits in it it's like a swashbuckling old school love story and it's set in Hollywood so it's got that Hollywood sort of sort of uh, glitter all over it as well so I love it do you love it I thought it was a really interesting read I loved how she managed to do the first person without me hating it because first person is so difficult to write interestingly but what she did was she wrote she'd have lines for example like this person is looking at me and could that look mean this not she looked at me in this way, you know what I mean? So it's almost like an internal dialogue. I mean, it was done, it was done cleverly. It was, it was, it really was. And it, it, it didn't feel restrictive, which um, some, sometimes people, that's, I think that's people's gripe with first person. Having said that, I really like first person and I've written a couple of my books in first person and I, and I don't, I, and people always say, oh, I'm surprised that this first person works, but I think it works quite more often than people think. So um, I've never had a particular gripe about first person when I've been reading. But, you know, there you go. I like first, I like third. So, mm. I think it's just easier to, to write third than first and do it well. All right. So my second book is Depths of Blue by Lise McTagg. This is a sci-fi novel. This is a stunning first book. And Lise actually just went on from this one to write one of my favorite books of the year this year which was Five Moons Rising, but this this is her first novel, which I also just loved. For Torrin, life is a bargaining table. Every planet is a new business opportunity. Legality is optional, and supplying one side in a local civil war always adds up to profit. Jack is at war within a war. A woman hidden in the heart of a male-only army, her brother's murder has left her desperate for vengeance. Her skill as a sniper gives her both the disguise she needs and paves the way ever closer to her real goal. She kills efficiently without remorse. Putting down an off-world smuggler will be no different. A moment's hesitation, a flicker of doubt. 
Two women on a collision course set off a chain reaction of intergalactic intrigue and awaken a dangerous passion that could cost them their lives. That sounds very dramatic. I like that. It's, it's fabulous. Lee's writes the most brilliant chemistry between the two main characters in this book. And there's a lot of action and it's, it's sci-fi and it's just, it's fab. Absolute must read. Okay. Okay, cool. I, I haven't read much sci-fi, I have to say, but maybe I should put it on my list because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read more widely at the moment. So uh, maybe that's what I should do. You know, my issue with sci-fi is, is all the world building that needs to happen. So I don't generally like sci-fi or the heavy fantasies because it just takes so long to get to the story. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I hated Lord of the Rings as a book, for example. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that too. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's the names uh, that that get me, like the names that are, that always sound weird. I can't get my head around them, and I'm just like, oh, you know, I've 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 never seen Star Wars. I don't watch anything like that, so I, I'm I'm not a very good person. But I am trying to do, you know, read a bit more widely. So you know, good recommendation. But what she she does in this one is she makes it very accessible. So it's actually just more of a um an action romance than anything else but it's it's a it's an entirely fun novel i love it i just want to rub myself on this book <laughs> i'm not sure we needed to know that sheena bit bit tmi tmi <laughs> okay so your next one so my next one is all the little moments by g benson the blurb goes thusly a successful anaesthetist, and uh, I find that word very difficult to say, so hurrah for me, Anna is focused on herself, her career, and her girlfriend. Everything changes abruptly when her brother's and sister-in-law's deaths devastate her and her family. Left responsible for her young niece and nephew, Anna finds herself dumped and alone in Melbourne, a city she doesn't even like. She tries to navigate the shock of looking after two children battling with their grief while managing her own. Filled with self-doubt, Anna feels as if she's making a mess of the entire thing, especially when she collides with a long-legged stranger. Anna barely has time to brush her teeth in the morning, let alone date a woman. Least of all one who has no idea about the two kids under her care. But just when Anna finally starts to feel as if she's getting some control over the situation, the biggest fight begins and she really has to step up once and for all. Da-da-da! It's a great blurb, actually. like that. So this one... Oh my god! I I think this is probably the one that I've cried most at. Um, uh, most the lesbian book that I've has made me cry the most. So well done, G. Benson, for that accolade. Um, as it says, it's a story of Anna, whose brother and his wife get killed. She has to step in and be the guardian of their children and take them on, basically. And she her whole life is turned upside down by this. She's she loses her girlfriend in the process of this. She has to move cities and. The children are written brilliantly. Uh, I don't have kids, but um, I have a lot of children in my life. The children, they should, I, you know, you just want to adopt them, basically, you know. And the emotions in it are brilliant. And it, it's how Anna deals with her grief, but also how she holds, she's the linchpin that holds her family together. And she also meets Lane, this nurse who she eventually gets it on with. But there's also another character called Kim who comes in, who's also dealing with her own grief of the, after the death of her husband. And it's just so, it's beautifully written. G. Benson does witty dialogue very well. Um, so it's, it's, not just, it's not just one great, you know, get your tissues out and just cry the whole way through the book. It's not. It's, um, it's a great story. Um, it's a great romance in it. Um, it's very touching. And um, there's some great dialogue. She does very good dialogue. I was pretty floored by it, I have to say. And I've read a couple of her books since, and she's done similar things but um you know similarly brilliant writing but not at all like this one they're very different all the books she writes so well done her um a must read if you haven't read it so how much of the time did you spend crying versus like laughing and enjoying <laughs> oh no more laughing and more sort of going oh those, those children are so sweet yes it will make you broody this book frankly probably i don't know I'm not. I'm not really a crier. ER makes me cry, and that, that, that's uh, aging me a little bit. There, not even Grey's Anatomy. Um, I used to. I used to blubber ER generally, but um, maybe about ten, fifteen percent of the book you'll be crying. But you'll just think you're over the crying, and then you'll start again. So, intermittent crying. <laughs> are we talking like P.S. I love you, the movie crying, or are we talking like 
stepmom crying. I haven't seen either of those, so I don't know. You've not seen either of those. I'm a really I'm a really bad movie watcher, I have to say. Um, you know, like I'm I'm yeah, I'm terrible at watching movies, I'm terrible at watching TV, so I'm trying to get better at that, but I I hate going to the cinema, so I, I don't like you know, all the rustling of popcorn and stuff like that. So I'm I'm trying to get better at it by watching more Netflix, but yeah. I haven't even seen Imagine You and Me. I know I put that up on Twitter the other day and I got called a bad gay, which is probably true. I am a bad gay. I think most people wish they had your superpower because then there's more time to read. Well, you know, yeah, you see, I do probably read more than than watch. Although I do watch terrible cooking shows quite a lot. So I love I love a bit of um, Ina Garten. You know, do you know? I love Ina Garten. I love Ina Garten. <laughs> see, last night, you see, I say I don't watch a lot of TV, but constructive TV. Last night, I watched an hour of Ina Garten telling me how to make this pasta that I'm probably never going to make, but. I just love her life. Don't you love her life? I do love her life. And I also love her fabulously gay friends that come over. Oh, they are brilliant. And do we think Jeffrey's gay? <laughs> oh, shame. Yeah, probably. <laughs> is, he just, is he just a stooge? <laughs> <laughs> I, loved, I loved the one where they went, they went around the world and they came to visit London. That was brilliant. Oh, I didn't see that one. It was a Christmas one, so I'm sure it would be repeated. That's fab. All right, so so my next one back on track with books and away from Anna Gordon and her delightful food. <laughs> okay, so my number three is Safe Harbor by Radcliffe. This book, like Radcliffe, is one of those. She's an an epic pillar in the lesbian world. I think Radcliffe was one of the first lesbian fiction authors that was so consistently producing lesbian fiction that just about everybody's read her. You know especially at a time when there wasn't a lot of positive lesbian fiction out there. You could pretty much rely on getting two new Radcliffe's a year. And for me, that was huge because that sort of helped my lesbian fiction obsession. All right, so Safe Harbor was her first novel that she published. I actually emailed her to ask her because she's written so many it was difficult to tell. Okay, so the synopsis is... A mysterious newcomer, a reclusive doctor, and a troubled gay teenager learn about love, friendship and trust during one tumultuous summer in Provincetown. Provincetown also has taken on this, it's like a gay maker, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with Radcliffe's books, because you read about Provincetown, and it's just this amazing, like, look at all the lesbians! (laughs) You Really, you think that that her books have had an influence on that? Absolutely. Because she's got the whole Provincetown series. And I mean, I don't know if you read this one, but but I read this one and this made a huge impact on me. I was like, ooh, province time. Okay, so Reese is the new sheriff who has heads turning amidst speculation as to who will be the first woman to capture her attentions. And Reese is just such a sweet butch. Dr. Victoria King has been betrayed by loved ones and refuses to risk her heart again. So naturally, Reese and Victoria, like, you know, get together. Yay! And Brianna Parker, the teenage daughter of Reese's chief, fears her father's wrath when he learns that she loves another girl. Oh, shame. And that was such a sweet storyline, too. As these three women struggle to live and love in freedom, they risk their hearts and souls to give one another a safe harbor. This is definitely one of Radcliffe's favorite series, novels, for those of us who've been with her since early on. If you ask somebody, what's your favorite Radcliffe series, 90% of the time they'll say the Provincetown series. So this book, I think, had an epic effect on lesbians in general. So props to Red. Wow, that's quite an accolade. <laughs> she she created a, a a sort of lesbian uh, sort of holiday town. Is it? Would you say, or is it people? It's it sort of become a gay destination, but is it gay all year round? I don't know. Province town. I know that they have the women's festival, which is very lesbian, and that happens around about October. It's happening now, isn't it? Yeah, it's raining because I keep seeing things in my Facebook feed. I don't know if she if she created it as a lesbian maker or just brought it to the knowledge of those of us who didn't know about it. So, right. but but definitely, Provincetown has become a thing all over the world because of, in part, these books. I'm telling you, and and I I don't know if if she necessarily even knows what an impact she's had. But I've also spoken to people who, for example, have said they read the books and then they went to Provincetown and they try to find you know, this restaurant or that place that was in the book because it's made such an impact on them. Radcliffe's awesome. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my brother did a road trip around there and uh, he told me I should go to Provincetown because my people are there. <laughs> <laughs> what did we go? <laughs> so, yeah, I said, what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? <laughs> he said, you know, your people. But, yeah. I might be going there next year, actually, because I'm going to uh, going to go to Boston, so I might do a little road trip down and uh, go down there. So have a look. So I should read uh, some Provincetown books, right, beforehand. I've only ever read one Radcliffe book, so what did you read? Firestorm. People that put out big fires, jumping out of planes, probably something like that. It was good. I enjoyed it, but I yeah, I haven't, I haven't read a lot of her stuff. Everybody always recommends that though. I think it depends on when you started reading lesbian fiction as to who the big authors were for you, right? So I started at a time when there wasn't actually a lot of good lesbian fiction out there. Um, I was 19 at the time, and I discovered Radcliffe, and I discovered Callmaker, and those were my staples. So I got super excited every time either of them brought out a new book. And so as a result, I was reading at least three or four books a year between the two of them. And then I would try a whole bunch of other ones but there was nobody who was as consistently good as those two i've, I've and i've, st- I've still got a <laughs> i've still got a read of karen coolmaker I'm, I'm i'm dreadful aren't i but i i think i think a bit like you say i came to it quite late and so i'm i'm not i haven't read all the all the classic books i'm kind of working my way through them but i'm constantly uh distracted by the new shiny thing new shiny book so you know uh, that's that's an issue as well but um you know there's time there's time the nice thing about lesbian fiction is it's just gotten so big that you can pretty much find any kind of book that you like so if you like mysteries there's great mysteries out there if you like thrillers there's fantastic thrillers romance abounds and they're really well written really great books i i'm so proud of lesbian fiction as a, a genre generally because the quality that we're getting in the books is better than the mainstream that I was reading beforehand. No, yeah, I agree totally. I, I just did a, an article for um, Diva, which I, um, which, which I quoted you in, uh, about this exact thing and just saying that, you know, for years and years we just had, you know, a few authors in the mainstream and it would still be great if we could get a few more sort of transported over a, a little bit further and getting more people reading them. Because, you know, as you said, you know, I've I've grown up reading a, a lot of uh, novels with straight protagonists, so why not the other way around? And, you know, the audience is there, absolutely. My brother went on holiday this year. And, uh, his wife took my book Nothing to Lose to read on holiday, and she read it, and then he read it. And uh, he said it was, he said it, I read it in a day. It was great. So, so you know, it's like, I know he's my brother, so he has to say that, but he's not a book reader. <laughs> He's read about three books in his life, so I'm quite proud of that. I think people put lesbian fiction in a box because you and just think only lesbians can read lesbian fiction, but it's not true. I agree with that. Um, and I, Kiki Archie actually has the best quote. When I was chatting to her, she said to, <laughs> she said to me, well, why not? Why don't straight people read lesbian fiction? They read about mermaids and they're not mermaids. It's true. <laughs> yeah, that's and all I true. Just, and that's the best way to look at it. Actually, absolutely. And the thing is, lesbian yeah. fiction, by and large, we're not pushing an agenda or whatever it is. Mostly it's about, you know, a lesbian getting on with something. Yeah, absolutely. It's not about, it's not about just being a lesbian. <laughs> we're living our lives and everything. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like fully rounded human beings. As somebody uh, said to me, uh, a guy I know who's, who likes reading lesbian fiction, he said, it, it's getting inside a world that I'll never be able to get inside but actually, when you think about it, that's what all fiction is, mainly, isn't it? So it's it's not that's not specific to lesbian fiction. That's going inside any any character or any world. That's if it's well written, it should take you away. No, I absolutely agree with that. Well said. Thanks. Okay, my my uh, third pick is Cindy Rizzo's Exception to the Rule. Now the blurb for this is: What will keep you safe and sane when you find yourself in a new and unfamiliar place? Convinced you'll never find anyone like you. For Tracy and Robin, it's the rules they set for themselves as they begin their first semester at Adams University near Boston. Robin is determined to hide in her room, writing, until she can get back to her homeless gay friends in New York, whose easy exchange of sex and friendship inspires her creativity. 
She's sworn off perfect princesses like Tracy Patterson, no matter how attractive she finds the mysterious southerner on her hall with the long blonde hair and tight jeans. And Tracy has no interest in cynical, smart-mouthed northerners like Robin. She has her own set of rules. Fine-tuned back home in North Carolina, where she had a fake boyfriend and an uncomplicated string of older female lovers, including her mother's best friend. Here at college, she already has her first conquest planned, and it's certainly not Robin Green. This is a love story about two young women who only find their true selves by finding one another. But are Robin and Tracy willing to go up all they think they know in order to find happiness? Sometimes in life, the person who will matter most is the one who's the exception to the rule. I really loved this book when it came out. It's a it's a new adult tale of um, two people, two, I guess, polar opposites who are coming uh, to university. What I really liked about it, it was, um, I, I quite like books. Um, it's set in the 90s, so it's it's got very 90s details in it. And, and Cindy uh, Rizzo is a great writer. So you know you're in safe hands uh, with her. And so I, I loved all the 90s stuff in it. She's, I think this is the one with the Indigo Girls in it as well, which um, I'm a big Indigo Girls fan. So what book isn't great with that, without that? Robin is a, a, a book. She's a writer. She's got She's got really no time for um, sort of uh, southern princesses like Tracy and vice versa. But you know, you know that that's going to be overcome, don't you, by the end of the book? Because it's a romance, everyone. And I was convinced this book, I haven't read it for a while, but I was convinced it was in Chicago, but it's in Boston. So there you go, I got it wrong. And um, Chicagoans will probably beat me up for that and Boston, Bostonians too, but there you go. What made me laugh about this book a little bit is that they're very... Well, their university experience was very different to mine. I don't know um, if you went to university and if you did, how your university experience was, but my university experience involved trying to kiss girls, uh, drinking too much and um, not doing very much work generally. Whereas they, they're just so committed to their work. <laughs> so that made me laugh. I don't know, maybe, um, maybe, maybe no, you see, in the 90s, I was at university in the 90s. So, but yeah, they're, they're very committed and and they're, um, they're sort of A-grade students and I think at one point one of them asks a tutor for extra work which is unheard of so that was sort of novel to see that I really also like that both of the characters weren't no- uh, Robin and Tracy there's also another one called Angie who gets uh, the next book in the series but Robin and Tracy were very rounded characters before they even came to university so they're they're both out. They both know who they are and they both know what they want. And what they want is not what they think they want, obviously. But like, I really love that Tracy's um, sleeping with her mum's best friend and, and just you know, tends to go tends to go for these women that you, you wouldn't necessarily think she she would. And she's got the fake boyfriend. So that was that was interesting as well. And that sort of brought the characters felt very real, as did the story, apart from the, you know, the, the scholarliness. <laughs> Have you read this one, Sheena? I have not read this one. In fact, the cover kind of put me off of this one. Because um, it's, I think, clothing or something. Yeah, the, co- the cover is, um, the cover doesn't, the cover belies what's beneath. So, you know, yeah. yeah. Which Keep is like again, actually, often the problem in lesbic. So I try actually not to look at covers generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must say your covers are quite good. I was going to say, don't don't say that for the writers who <laughs> spend ages agonising over a cover. Yeah, I don't even look at them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the synopsis sounds fantastic. We have reviewed it. Somebody else read it. Yeah. No, she, she's a really great writer. Um, and I, I wish she'd write some more because she's only written three books and I, I don't know what she's doing now. I think she's stopped writing for a little bit, but um, I hope Cindy gets back to writing soon. I think what happens with authors, though, is they'll write a book, two books, even three books, and then it doesn't sell necessarily as well as they hoped or, you know, they start to feel demotivated and then they stop writing. And that's actually very sad and I think that's the wrong thing to do because I believe that the more you write, the more you'll sell ultimately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that I've, um, you know, I've I've had some books that have sold really well and some books that haven't sold so well, but I, but for me, um, this is what I want to do and this is what I see myself doing long term. So I... So it's not really a question for me of stopping writing. But I suppose I'm in a different position because I'm doing this full time. And um, yeah, but like you say, the the uh, the plan is to write more books and then get more people to read them as, as you go along. So um, a steady build up kind of thing. Yes. 
I think that's the general consensus in, in with most authors, that that's what works. Okay, so my fourth pick is Daughter of Mystery by Heather Rose Jones, which was actually just a delightful surprise. Jones calls it a fantasy of manners, and that's a pretty accurate description of what this is. So, Marguerite did not expect to inherit Baron Cerise's fortunes, even less his bodyguard, a ruthlessly efficient swordswoman known as Barbara. Wealth suddenly makes Marguerite a highly eligible heiress and buys her the enmity of the new Baron. He had expected to inherit all, and now eyes her fortune with open envy. Barbara proudly served as the old Baron's duelist, but she had expected his death to make her a free woman. Bitterness turns to determination when she finds herself the only force that stands between Marguerite and the new Baron's greed. At first, Marguerite protests the need for Barbara's services, but soon she cannot imagine sending Barbara away, and Barbara's duty has become something far more hazardous to her heart than the point of a sword. But, greater dangers loom than one man's hatred. The Prince of Alpinia is ill, deadly intrigue surrounds the succession, and the rituals of divine power known as the Mysteries of the Saints. So, Heather Rose Jones has now written three, well, she's written four, but she's published three books so far in this, the Alpinia series, and they are really fantastic reads. If you like books that interweave multiple plots, characters, and interesting stories together, like, I actually don't know how she manages to keep everything straight because there's just so much going on in the book. It sounds like more of a romance than it actually is, but with the blurb. It's more of a, a mystery, really, but it's fascinating. It's brilliantly written, and if you like period piece type things with a little bit of magic thrown in, this is a great book for you. Okay, cool. What 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 period is it set in? Back in the day when they wore pretty dresses and like rode horses. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and there were dandy highwaymen and women. Hopefully, well, in my head anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am not good at remembering dates or periods or any of that sort of thing. I'm pretty much just like, eh, pretty shiny. <laughs> they had thr- frills on their dresses and, and shit. <laughs> exactly. That's all you need to know, yeah. Okay, so your next one is Just Juliet, eh? Yeah, so my next one is Just Juliet by Charlotte Regan. The blurb goes, Juliet represents the road less travelled, will Lena take it? Lena Newman is 17, her best friend's a cheerleader, her boyfriend's a football player, and as far as everyone is concerned, her life is sorted. But that's before she befriends the new girl. Juliet is confident, slightly damaged, drop-dead gorgeous, and a lesbian. Lena realises that her interest goes beyond just friendship. She sets off on a path of self-discovery, where the loyalty of those closest to her will be tested. This one is a weird one. Weird one for me to choose, I have to say, because I don't really read YA, um, mainly because I like my characters to... I'm not a huge fan of young coming out stories. I, I generally like my characters to know who they are and not have to have, you know, that whole thing that, you know, that you have when you're coming out. But I really, really enjoyed this one and it quite surprised me. I think I was tempted to read it because um, it had so many reviews, got like nearly 500 reviews. um, And I thought, why is that? So I thought I'd give it a go. And I have to say, after reading the first 10%, I I, I wasn't sure if I liked it. And then it was one of those books where I sat up till I think it was like half past four, five o'clock in the morning. I couldn't put it down. And yeah, so so it is a bit of a out there one for me. It's so well done. The character the characterization in it is so well done and it kind of in, in a way I don't know if you're a Gilmore Girls fan, but it reminded me of in the Gilmore Girls there's there's a lot of in the earlier series there's a lot of um school school stories about Rory the younger Gilmore. And again, I'm not really a fan of school stuff. <laughs> Maybe I should just um say that I, I uh, Maybe I do like things that I don't think I like. <laughs> yeah, so it reminded, kind of reminded me of that because that was really well done as well. But you really get into these characters and them being at school and them coming out and all the emotions that they're feeling. And it's not just the story of Lena and Juliet, although that is the focus, but it's also the folk. Um, I think Juliet's got a cousin who is also gay and it's the story of him and his boyfriend as well. 
And that's really sweet how the four of them sort of interact and talk about their feelings and their coming out. And it's just really well done and really sweetly done. And I think the author's quite young, so so it hasn't been that long since she she probably experienced this stuff herself. And it really shows. And I've recommended it to quite a few um, sort of teenagers who are coming out because I think it's a... Br- I mean, imagine just having this book at your fingertips when you were coming out when you were young. It would be terrific. There was nothing like that when I was um, younger. Um, in fact, I wasn't out when I was 17, so <laughs> I wouldn't have read it. But yeah, I think it's terrific from many, many points of view. And and it, yeah, it made me it made me stop and think about sort of the, the reality of coming out. It, it's very truthful as well. Like, it's not all hearts and flowers. And the ending isn't exactly what I expected, but, but the ultimate ending is. So worth a go. It's very sassy and it's done in a very sweet way. I think we've reviewed that one. I haven't read it, but I think we did review that one. If you read it, let me know. Let me know if you can put it down. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it really did surprise me, I have to say, um, the the whole thing. Because, you know, mainly it's set in school. But I suppose I liked Glee, so maybe I do like school things. But that was mainly because, you know, it was singing. And I love a bit of singing, me. So, uh, yeah, a karaoke book would be my ideal book. So maybe I should write it. <laughs> I going to say, why didn't you write it? <laughs> <laughs> Include audio files and then get sued by all the music publishers. <laughs> You should totally write a karaoke book. And then you should turn it into an audiobook. That narrator you got for Nothing to Lose was fantastic. Oh, did you like her? Very much. Cool. Very much. Yeah, no, I really liked her. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I probably will work with her again. Yeah, she was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I am thinking of doing a book with a pop star. So, because uh, I used to work in the music industry. So, I know quite a lot about it. I was a music journalist for like nearly 10 years. So, I know a lot about the PR and the back backstory I was going to say the back issues backside no backstory the the back end <laughs> I'm going to stop saying words with back in now at the music <laughs> business uh so yeah it's 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 in my to-do list I like that to-do lists yeah I'm totally a fan of Hollywood singers anything kind of pop culture you know famous people because it it's just fun yeah no, I agree. Totally, I agree. I think that's why, you know, I'm playing the role of, of um, herself, myself. <laughs> Which one is it? Um, I think that's why that works so well, because it's got, you know, it's it's got um, one of the characters as well uh, is, you know, has got the fake relationship with the famous tennis star. And that can, you know, you can really um, understand that and see how it works and see how, and, you know, you know that there are people in, in public life right now who are, playing out that exact story there's a Stella Duffy book that where she covers that as well with a really famous movie actress who who's got a girlfriend but she has a fake boy uh, fake husband I can't remember what it's called so that's a really bad really bad story yeah <laughs> you, you haven't read that one nope I haven't they are they are not enough hours in my day to read all the famous <laughs> lists. I imagine yeah. I imagine so your to-do list is just read more books that would be so nice okay so my my last book is sharpshooter by leslie murray i'm starting to see a theme here in all my my selections guns guns and shooting and pretty dresses (laughs) (laughs) well okay so safe harbor's got a police officer in it depths of blue's got a a sniper in it well london calling doesn't have any of that so there we go that broke my my cycle (laughs) That's my that's my on my to do list as well. I'm just about to write the fourth London book, so maybe I could put a sniper in it. Oh really? The fourth London book already? Didn't you just release the third one? In June. So this one will be okay. this one will be coming out next year. Anyway, carry on with your. Uh... Okay, so the fifth one is Sharpshooter by Leslie Murray, a vicious killer who will stop at nothing. Two women on the run for their very lives. After 9-11, an experimental branch of the U.S. government has been tasked with the mission of proactively putting a stop to terrorism. They have sent a team to eliminate a financier responsible for funding the worst of these organizations. Everything is going according to plan, until it's not. The team is ambushed, and when the mission looks at its darkest, it goes from bad to worse. Former Marine Snout Skyper 7 is a black ops sharpshooter now injured and on the run for her life. Peace Corps volunteer Dr. Jenny McKenzie defies 
good sense and sets out to help a stranger in need. What she finds is something else entirely. From the rugged foothills of the Andes through the dense forests of the Amazon River Basin, Seven and Jenny fight to survive the perils of being hunted through Bolivia by a killer hell-bent on homicide. Who can they trust and what fresh hell awaits them if and when they make it home? Will they survive long enough to explore their growing attraction? Dum dum dum. <laughs> it's a hell of a read. And you should, like, everybody should just read it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the end. That is my review. <laughs> it does sound like a hell of a read. Uh, I, I like I like those I like those books that are a bit um, bit more current, and I like the whole nine eleven tie in and uh, terrorism. I think I think that that's a not that I like terrorism. I'm not saying that, but um, uh, I think that's a that's a rich vein uh, for books, and I think there's a, a lot of scope for a lot more books to be done than that. And this book is huge. It's it's like a three hundred page book or something. I mean, it's massive, and when you're reading it, you're so drawn into the story that you actually don't even realize how long it is and everybody who's read this book loves this book all right so what is your last one another book for my list my last book is uh i went classic for my last one and it's curious wine by Catherine v forrest and uh i'm, I'm fairly sure this is her first book <laughs> i did a bit of an investigation into it and uh, i'm pr- pretty sure it is this book is has been described as the first ever lesbian romance um, novel, um, and I um, I've read it a couple of times, but I hadn't read it for a couple of years. So I read it yesterday um, just to just to refresh my memory because it's quite a short book. It's um it's yeah I don't know how many words it is, but it's it's only one hundred and seventy pages on Kindle, so you know it's easy to whiz, but not so easy to whiz because it's just very it draws you in I thought I kind of think of this one as like a um it's almost like a play that's how it plays out in your head and it's also a time capsule I love I love that it's set in the 70s it's got very 70s vibe about it lesbianism is very taboo as is a lot as is a lot of things just being gay in general um the the civil rights movements have are over but the fight is still on for a, a lot of different things so it's it is very it's very of its time and I, I read a couple of the reviews um online yesterday and a lot of people were saying it's dated I don't think it I don't think of it like that I think it's I think it's of its time and it's brilliant because it's that I love that but it's very very intense and it's the story of uh, Lane Christensen and business exec Diana Holland who fall for each other on a weekend away in Lake Tahoe and they fight it but they eventually uh, do get it together, and it, there's there's some fantastic sex scenes in the cabin because it's kind of weird. They have a they have a bedroom above. It sounds like it's above the living room. You have to get to it by going up a ladder and putting down a trap door. So it seems like there's always some sort of uh, frisson, some sexual tension that they met. somebody might pop their head through the trap door any minute now. <laughs> And and find them, and they're trying to hide this their relationship, their burgeoning relationship, because neither of them have ever had a relationship with a woman before, and they're trying to hide it from all these women that they've gone away for a week, for a weekend or a week with in a cabin um, in Lake Tahoe, which is in America somewhere, no idea where. It's got some great first sex scenes. Um, it's got some it's got some terrific romance. It's very intense, as I said. Uh, yeah, I I just love I I really love it, and and. And I love that it's, it is, like I said, just such a period piece. Have you read it? I haven't, but I'm very, very glad you included it on the list because it is one of those classics that it was um, a major sort of opening of doors for lesbian fiction in general. So I think, great book. It really is. And and one thing I really noticed, um, which I'd kind of forgotten uh, about it, was is it's got a lot of men in it way more men than than sort of lesbian romances <laughs> have these days and um you know <laughs> you know in the in the formula i'm not sure how many men you're allowed to have but maybe five percent or something but what i mean is um women in relationships with men um and even when diana uh, one of the lead protagonists tries to run away from lane and the feeling she's having she actually seeks out a man to have sex with in the book just to try and sort of 
prove to herself that she is straight and she's not gay. But actually what that does is does the other thing. <laughs> Goes the other way. She's like, oh, no, hang on. <laughs> so um, from that perspective, it's very different to the to the modern uh, lesbian romances that I read, at least. But I think it's very based in reality and very and especially the reality that it's that it's depicting at that time. Um, so I think it's a classic for a reason. Um, it's yeah. And uh, if you haven't read it, you should rush out and buy Curious Wine by Catherine B. Forrest. And I just realised I didn't. Did I read the blurb? <laughs> did I read the blurb? I think you started the blurb and then you ad libbed, but that's fine. I got you know we got the the sense of what it was. The blurb's not very um, big. <laughs> no, the blurb's like three lines long. Yeah, and it's in the show notes if anybody's interested. But Catherine V. Forrest, in her own right, is quite a force of nature in the lesbic world. She's not just an author, but she's also an editor and just an interesting, all-round interesting person. Definitely, yeah. And, um, you know, to write this book, it's a brilliant book, um, full stop. And to write this book, you know, in, I'm not sure when it was written, um, the 70s. I think it came out in the 80s, but it was written in the 70s. So, yeah, I mean, props to her. She had... Uh, she was the first ever lesbian romance. Imagine having that accolade on your CV. So um, it's all her fault that we're all writing and reading lesbian fiction. So hurrah for Catherine. Send her a note. Say, thanks, Catherine. And I think that was an excellent one to end off our top ten list with. But now I have a question for you before we go. Hmm. If you were the love child of any two people, alive or dead, <laughs> who would they be and why? <laughs> I don't know where you've got this question from, Sheena. <laughs> okay, so to put audience members in the loop. So Claire Lydon does the most fabulous podcast on the Lesbian Lounge. The Lesbian Lounge, yep. Where she talks to authors and looks at book charts and all sorts of interesting things. Talks about her own writing. And the, the one question she always asks is, if you were the love child of any two people alive or dead, who would they be and why? So now I'm always curious as to what she would say. Hence the question. Right. <laughs> now you put me on the spot. <laughs> um, I think um, I think one of them would have to be Judy Bloom because I'm a huge fan of Judy Bloom. Uh, I read all her books when I was uh, younger and I read her her recent uh, one that she came out with, which I can't remember the title of, but it came out like a couple of years ago. I listened to an audio book and She's a writer that breaks rules and makes rules, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, this the book that she had out recently, it had about 20 lead characters. <laughs> it was really, oh, wow. really hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, you kept up with them all and you cared about them all. So I think she is a storyteller supreme. So I would go with Judy Bloom. Hmm, who's the other one? I'd have to, I have to pick somebody, somebody from the lesbian fiction world. Uh, I, I don't. I think actually, from a storytelling perspective, and she's not exactly lesbian fiction per se, but she's graphic novel. Is Alison Bechdel? I love Alison Bechdel. I I read uh, one of her a strip of Dykes to Watch Out for in a in a lesbian um, anthology years and years and years ago, probably about twenty years ago, and I consequently bought everything that she's um, written. And she's a fantastic chronicler of time of our time. And she, her Dice to Watch Out for cartoon strip was brilliant slice of lesbian life and ran for about 25, 30 years. And her subsequent Fun Home was brilliant as well. So probably those two. And I probably have a couple of other, you know, aunties and un aunties and uncles. Maybe Armistead Morpen. I love him. Armistead Morpen could be my uncle. What do you think about that? Yeah. And um <laughs> And probably one of my favourite lesbian romance writers is Georgia Beers. So let's have her along. Let's have her along for the ride as well. Because I think she was the one I started out with. She was my first ever lesbian romance read. So you've always got a soft spot for that, haven't you? A bit like probably, probably yours was Radcliffe and Karen Callmaker. So you see, I've read everything that Georgia's written. So <laughs> there you go. You're very loyal to the ones you, you find first, aren't you? That's true. Well, tomorrow's read all of yours. So there we go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Tamara. <laughs> hey, have a virtual drink. I will tell her. All right. So, Claire, where can people find you online? 
Uh, you can find me at my website, which is www.clairelyden.co.uk, Claire without an I. You can find me on Facebook, Claire.Lyden. Um, on Twitter, I'm most active on Twitter, at Claire Lydon, very cryptic. Um, and on Instagram, at Clairefic. I should be on Pinterest as well, but I'm not because um, I don't really understand it. But I'm, that's my aim for uh, 2018. Understand Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody got any tips how to understand Pinterest? Let me know. And also I do podcasts on the Lesbian Lounge. You can uh, listen to it there. Yeah. What is your podcast called again? It's called the Lesbian Book Club. That's right. The Lesbian Book Club. Yeah. And I once a month I interview other lesbian authors. Fantastic. And if people have never read you before what should they start with if they've never read me before you should start with london calling uh, which is a romantic comedy set in london so if you fa- if that's your bag go for that or nothing to lose which is a story of of a lot of water and redemption so uh with a few laughs thrown in so yeah redemption tale or romantic comedy whichever one you fancy and if you want a yeah and if you like london calling there's Two more books and one coming in that series, so yay! And if you like Christmas, you need to read. If you like Christmas, <laughs> which and who doesn't love Christmas? I I do. I'm already watching the Christmas movie channel. I was just about to say that. If you if you want, I've also got another series which is the All I Want series. It starts off with All I Want for Christmas, um, which is a Christmas romantic comedy with a lot of mishap and slapstick and uh, yeah mayhem. Would you agree? My absolute fave. I, I love that book. And this podcast will be coming around out with enough time for you to get the book and start reading it on the 25th of November, which is when the book starts. Yes, yes. Do that, do that. Buy it and uh, set it in your calendar to read it on the 25th of November. Um, yes. Yes, I'd recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sheena. I've been joined today by Claire Lyden. You've been listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast. That's all for now. Bye. Thank you, Sheena. Bye. Apart from NaNoWriMo, where are you going to write a book? Going to release this one, Sheena? Everybody asks me that. Well, this will be my fourth one that I have now completed, my fourth NaNo. So hopefully, I mean, I'm going in with a, a more solid plan than previously, but it all depends on what the book turns out like. You know, if I like it enough, very possibly. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> We'll all be excited to read it. And he's <laughs> he gonna give it to you to review. I, you see, well that's the thing, right? As a reviewer, can I release a book? This is a question. Hmm. Oh yeah, I think you can. Totally. But you can't review it yourself. <laughs> you can write the review before you write the book. What a what an amazing first book by she <laughs> Uh, Don, there goes my whole marketing plan, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Buy those Facebook ads now. <laughs>